All right, and we're live. What's up? 36th installment of the Unplugged Alpha Series, talking about a couple of very personal stories. These two, uh, yeah, these two will be um, interesting for you guys. Had a uh, conversation with um, some friends over the weekend. We were talking about some just some BS that was going on in business, and um, they're all self-employed. This one guy was talking about this Karen that ripped him off and um, all the stuff he had to deal with. And it got me thinking about how a particular experience I had probably could have either ruined me completely and thrown in and thrown in the towel, or it was actually because I didn't give up was a catalyst to um, getting me to where I got in my business. So I'm going to tell these two stories tonight. And, um, Let's entertain and inspire. Um, what do we got over here? Got Jaron in the chat. Moff. Moff's already bitching at me about not having the chat open, everybody. Got a JP super chat saying, oh, that's a nice NSX. That's the uh, the last gen. Uh, really enjoy your shows, Rich. Have you considered easing the chat restrictions to help drive engagement? Maybe one message every five minutes would be a good middle ground. Either way, I love the content. Thank you. I, I'll say it again because, I mean, you guys... Are, are probably a little bit newer or haven't seen some of my older content, but I don't read comments when it comes to YouTube's. And um, I mean, I did in the early day, and I really enjoyed, you know, the engagement and chopping it up with people and getting all the ideas. But um, today, it's just there's so much nonsense. Um, <laughs> anybody with an internet and a keyboard is um, is either a troll, hater. Or they love you to death, and um, you have to. <laughs> okay, so for those of you listening to this on podcast, and it's available on Spotify and Apple and all that stuff right now. Moff's in the chat going, "It'll give me something to do because I have mods." Because <laughs> he he wants to play whack a mole. Eh? Is that is that how things are going to be here? I'll tell you what, here, Moff. I'll tell you what, buddy. See, this is this is the level of love I have for my boys. All right. Let's see if I can do it mid-show. I don't know if you can modify it mid-show, but let's see here. Live chat to subscribers. There you go. Save. All right. Have fun. Play play whack-a-mole with the trolls. All right. <laughs> it'll, it'll give me something to do, he says. All right. A um, little bit of housekeeping. I need you guys to do me a solid. Hit the like button just for the algorithms. And um, it's going to drop this over here. So if you're watching this on Facebook, uh, Twitter, Twitch, whatever, just click this link and come on over to uh, the live show. Just, it just helps me out telling there. Hit the like button, all right? So I'll come over to YouTube. And um, I will drop the join link midway through the show again. You guys can call in and ask whatever questions you want. Uh, just drop a YouTube link right now. Uh, doo -doo -doo. I got the vibe you guys really dug that um, playing to win the other day when I was talking about the World Economic Forum and Klaus Schwab and all the nonsense and how to survive that crap. So I'm glad you guys are paying attention because there's more to life than just getting the girls. How do I get the girls, Rich? Well, we'll get you there. We'll get you there one day. There's all kinds of questions to ask in life as men. All right. So, um, see, now, 
I'm gonna be honest with you. This distraction over here with the chat going, that's a lot. Um, it's really gonna make it hard for me to track super chats, but they do pops and they do pin at the top. So there you go. You guys wanted the chat to go insane. Insane in the membrane. All right, so let's get into the story so we can get this show on the road. Um, the stuff that went down for me in the early days was pretty brutal. I, I, I mean, in hindsight, I know why most businesses failed. I started up my debt relief business and um, here, I'll pull it up on the screen because I know some of you guys don't know about it. Share screen. Share. Boom. Is the page going to load or what? There we go. So I started this debt business of mine back in 2003, right? I don't run it anymore. My brother runs it. Um, I'm just an advisor, but founded this thing back in 2003. It was a roller coaster ride. It, it, it almost didn't happen and it almost got taken out. Um, do I still have it in here? Oh, here it is. Almost got taken out. Got featured in uh, front page of the business section, January nineteenth. So, let me just put it for put it in frame for you. Some somebody paid about twenty thousand dollars to put that little square ad over there. I paid nothing to have them put me on the front page of the Toronto Star business section. We got a lot of business off that. There was a lot that I learned in that business that I ran. It's. Um, Something that I'm proud of. It lasted for a long time while I ran it and still continues to, to roll. But 2003 was a start date. And what it did is it basically negotiates your credit card balances between the creditor and the debtor. And um, collection agencies were doing this for ages. Um, somebody would have thirty, forty, fifty thousand $50,000 worth of credit card debt assigned to an agency. And sometimes there was some uh, negotiation work done, but we but we took it to a whole new level. It just went full on professional, and um, we brokered the deal between the debtor and the creditor. So most of the business during that time came from our um, mortgage agents. Let me just see if I can turn this thing on over here. There we go. We're gonna stand up. I always tell better stories when I stand up. All right, here we go. Let's do this. So we used to get most of our business from creditors um, that need a settlement through mortgage agents. And they have a unique problem. So to do a mortgage on a property, you have to have a certain amount of equity. We'll just use $100,000 to keep it simple. So if a property is worth $100,000 and your mortgage balance is $60,000, that means you've got $40,000 in equity. And the loan to value on that property is 60%. So you can borrow against any differences. At the time, um, they would usually do an 80 to 85% LTV, which all that really meant was, you know, if the, if the current first mortgage was 60 grand, a second uh, mortgage would get placed on the property for the difference up to about an 85% LTV. So another $25,000 might, you know, get pulled out of that property, let's say. But if they had $50,000 in debt, you couldn't get rid of all the debt with the mortgage financing and the mortgage lender didn't really want to lend the money unless all the debt was paid off. So there was two problems there. The lender wouldn't lend on the deal and they'd lose a lending opportunity and the debtor wouldn't be able to pay off the credit card debt. 
So I was like, all right, well, we can broker the deal between the two because I know how to do this and I have enough contacts and I can make this happen. So I built the business around that. And I did that primarily getting most of our clients from mortgage agents. So I basically go to the mortgage industry and I'm giving you the complete cheat code here to what I did to run this business. Um, there's also a book that I wrote that's on Amazon from 2010, I think. I'll pull it up real quick. I think it's... Um, So add to screen. Um, is that no? That's not here. We go. This is it over here. That's the right one. Add to stream. Um, so it's just called Enough is Enough, the DIY debt settlement guide. So everything in this book over here, it's only available as, as Kindle. I never did it as as print because I didn't really care at the time. But everything in here is basically what we did from day one. <laughs> all the way through the entire settlement process. So I gave away the cheat code to settling your own debt. Um, some would be like, oh, why would you do that? You give away the, you know, the secret sauce. But there's a lot more to it than just like the steps that were involved. There was some back-end work that you really had to have the skills for. It's like, you know, you can, you can say a 100-meter swim is from here to here. All you have to do is go from there to there. But there's a lot of technique that's learned behind the scenes. So you're really not giving away the farm when you write a book with all the steps in it. But anyway, um, so we're doing a ton of these settlements. Mortgage agents are giving us business. And generally speaking, we're doing anywhere from six to $10,000 in the high end. And most of these deals we get done in about two to three weeks. And I think we were probably doing about $30,000 a month in sales receipts at that time. Just got a brand new office. Um, it, was, it, was, uh, it was on the third story of this like century home in Richmond Hill, which is in the outskirts of Toronto. Um, there's a psychiatrist on the main floor and, uh, I think a physiotherapist in the basement. So bringing in deals, I'm doing all the deals. I'm doing a lot of the negotiating. Um, I've got my brother in the business doing some sales and another guy who was also doing some sales and this chick that was doing some of the negotiation work with us. And, um, it went along pretty well for quite a few years from 2003 to 2005 until I had this guy who was one of the biggest deals I ever took on from one of the larger um, mortgage agents that I had a great relationship with. And they lived out in Oakville, I think, which at the time was one of the more expensive houses. So back in 2005 or so, one of these places might've been, I don't know, three and a half million or something like that, which was quite a lot at the time for that neighborhood. And um, got this deal that was going to pay out about $15,000 in fees, I think in, in total. So got started, got it all done, uh, pretty quickly within about three to four weeks, mortgage was supposed to close proceeds were supposed to go from the mortgage lender to the creditors via the settlements that I had negotiated in writing. And I, uh, had this guy who I didn't, I hadn't been burned by anybody by, by, by that point in time. Okay. And, um, all I remember was, calling the lawyer's office later on that day. And I'm like, Hey, I heard the creditors got paid out, but I haven't seen the uh, transfer yet for the, uh, the fees. And then the lawyer goes, Oh, the borrower got a hold of the money. And I go, what do you mean? He goes, yeah, you're going to call him. And this is the first time that this had happened. We had done maybe 30, 35 deals, you know, prior to that never happened prior. And then, um, call the guy up and he fucking tells me to go pound sand. He's like, yeah, I'm not going to pay you. I'm like, dude, 
I just saved you like $70,000 negotiating with all your creditors. Like, and you just hung up the phone. It's like, what the fuck? I couldn't believe it. I was like, there's, there's actually people out there that would do something like that. Like have somebody work their ass off for three weeks and then not pay them. And then just take what you've done for them for free. I was like, that is, I was pissed. I was, that was probably one of the only times in my life that I had ever considered harming somebody really badly. Like starting to think about ways like, you know, how do I make this person know that what they had done is not acceptable and they should never do it again. I was like, no, man, this is like, I got to the point where I was talking to my brother about it. And it's like, you know, we kind of got to the, got to the conclusion of it's not worth it. You know, you don't want to end up dealing with criminal charges or ending up in jail or whatever happens, happens, right? It's like, yeah, it's just, no, it's not worth it. So it was at that point that that scammer that ripped me off for 15 grand, about half of what I would normally make in a given month. And I had payroll to do that day. So I actually didn't even pay myself at that time uh, to make sure the payroll cleared. So I got my staff taken care of and I was like ready to do something to this guy. And I'm like, nope. No, I marinated on it. I was like, I'm not going to lose here. Like this, like there's got to be a silver lining. You know, you guys have heard there's a silver lining in, in, in every piece of piece of chaos out there. And there's these stories about fragility, robustness and anti-fragility. Um, I think it comes from Nicholas uh, Talib. I probably got the combination of his name wrong, but it's something like that. Anyway, he wrote a book called Anti-Fragile. And there's three levels of fragility. There's... Um, you know, I could take a, a glass, for example. So if I take this glass over here and I were to drop it from sufficient height, it's it's fragile. It's going to break. My drink's going to go all over the floor. So that's what fragility is. Robustness would be something like, uh, I don't know, this box from my ledger. It's like nothing happens if I drop it. It doesn't break. It doesn't get better. It doesn't get worse. Nothing happens. It's robust. That would be like a bag of sand, dropping a bag of sand, you know, same sort of thing. And then there's anti-fragility, which means you only get better when chaos is applied to something. And I don't have any example of anything here that would improve if I added chaos or stress to it. But that's something that's unique to human beings. Humans can actually get better when there's chaos introduced into their life. And that book wasn't out at the time. I think that book came out about seven or eight years later because I remember listening to it. Um, actually I did a review on that book in my car in the early days of the channel. So if you search on my YouTube channel for entrepreneurs in cars, anti-fragile, I think you'll find it. I, I was probably driving the M3 at the time. Um, I did a lot of book reviews back then. So there's some interesting ones anyway. So I figured out, I got to use this as an opportunity to grow, you know, don't lose, learn. And I kept telling myself that over and over again, don't lose, learn, don't lose, learn. I'm like, how the fuck do I make sure this isn't happening? And this guy ripped me off for half of my monthly sales receipts i i couldn't pay myself that day so i had to pay the staff only and it's like okay so i went so i went on a pretty much like a 48 hour binge looking for potential solutions and i've used the term r d for you guys before r d isn't research and development it's rip off and duplicate quite often the solutions to many of our problems as guys already exist out there you just have to be attentive enough to know how to go find them, all right? And then execute that shit methodically with precision. So that's what I did. Um, I found software and I pivoted the business from doing lump sums, taking the deals from mortgage agents. One of the other problems I ended up dealing with the mortgage agents is 
um, a good number of them would try to do it themselves, right? Like they would actually um, figure out that on top of doing, getting their broker's fee for facilitating the mortgage payment, which might've been anywhere from three to $6,000 for them on average at that time, they could also charge the customer money to go and negotiate that. So it's like, I was basically training my competition because they also knew all, a lot of the inside stuff. So I was like, okay, I need to put some distance between this type of deal. So I got rid of that kind of customer for the most part. And also instead of going to get my customers from mortgage agents, I went directly to get the customer. Here's how I did it. I'm like, how do I find my customer? So I did things like fax broadcasting. I tried fax broadcasting. I tried ads, like I showed you that newspaper. I tried ad ads in newspaper. I did radio shit. Um, the, the stuff that really worked well um, for a good period of time, it still works okay today, not as well as it did back in the day, was um, pay-per-click ad marketing through uh, Google AdWords. Um, I got really good at that. And within maybe a couple of years, like I was top in the space. Like I was like, my conversion rates were super high. They were like triple the, what the other guys in the industry were getting. And uh, the cost for acquisition was very, very uh, cheap. There, there was a lot of margin at the time. So I went from not being able to pay myself on payday and getting fucked over by a guy that I couldn't do anything about. I, I had no legal remedy. Um, I could have potentially sued him, but I don't even remember the status of the um, contract at the time. And I probably wouldn't have had the money to pay a lawyer, to be honest with you, because it would have probably cost about 20 grand minimum in fees to get anywhere close to getting him to cough up the cash. And even then, I may not have even gotten paid. So it's just like, it was a loss leader. And I've done that a few times in life. I mean, I lost $46,000 on a mortgage deal once. Um, this guy did pay me 15 grand. Like you get screwed over in life as a guy when you start taking risks, especially when you're running a business, especially when you get involved, um, you know, in matters of uh, finance, there's, it's going to happen. It doesn't happen that often, but it has happened, right? So to the point of that, what I ended up doing after that is I basically went from killing, from, from eating what I killed, I guess basically is a bit best way to define it. So when an animal goes out hunting, you kill it, you eat it, the meat's good for maybe a day. I don't know what the total window is. Let's say it's a, a day and then you have to go out and do it all over again, right? So you're, so you're always eating what you kill. And I had some inkling about what was going on with cell phone contracts at the time because I used to think to myself, you know, the cell phone company does really good. Like I had one of those old ass Nokia's. They were like a brick. This is 2005 or six. And, um, you know, I was like, you know, they're collecting $27 a month for me every single month. And I keep using the service and how many customers do they have? And they keep using the service. I'm like, recurring revenue is way better because you open up the door at the start of the month and you know exactly what's coming in, right? You know, it's a budget for marketing. You know how, um, you know, basically how things are going to unfold that month. So I, I essentially pivoted the business from um, one-off deals to a subscription revenue model, which basically built a book, a book of business, which I had offers to buy from me. Um, but essentially, you know, we build a large book of business and that's what that, that one guy that, that fucked me over for 15 grand in 2005 forced me to take a look at alternatives. One of them, you know, could have been, could have put me in jail or, you know, maybe done something stupid. So I took a good look at alternatives. And I found a way to make more money over a longer period of time 
and take on more clients with the same amount of um, headcount, staff, staffing basically. Um, and, it, and it was after that that the business took off. It, 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 it just blew up. Like I think our biggest months were um, maybe $300,000 a month in like sales receipts. We had over a thousand customers. Um, and over a long period of time too. So they were paying over not just like a few months or a few weeks like I was before, but generally speaking about four years. So you just took the total fee, you broke it down over four years and you had the subscription revenue model. Good thing about that is it's sellable. Somebody may want to buy your book of business. They may want to buy your business because it already has customers that are making payments. So attractive businesses to, to buy have recurring revenue. Netflix, you know, for example, has customers that are subscribed. They pay whatever it is a month you know, depending on their plan. And then that recurring revenue, you know, multiplied by the number of customers they have making the payments is now called a book of business. And somebody could come along and say, right, we'll give you $10 million for that, $100 million, whatever it's worth. And they, that's when businesses sell. Like that's why these tech companies always look for users. So they can say, like YouTube right now is, is going to say, well, we have X number of eyeballs on our platform every single day. They, we have the attention of these people. So subscription revenue, beautiful. That's why they call subscribers on YouTube, right? Because, you know, you subscribe for the content. YouTube, unfortunately, doesn't generally send it to you. You have to, like, subscribe, hit the notification bell, and even that doesn't work half the time, and you have to go and search for the damn channel to watch the shit that you want because they don't want to show it to you. But another story. So that guy made me a multimillionaire. That guy that fucked me over made me a multimillionaire. So think about that. Um, there's a book by Ryan Halliday. I don't like some of his other books, but it's called The Obstacle is Away. I think it's a great book. I think it is something that you should read if you're a guy. You should definitely read it if you're an entrepreneur because it gets you thinking about turning obstacles into solutions. Often obstacles can become the way. You can go around it. You can dig under it. You can push it out of the way. There's a whole bunch of different ways to handle things. Sometimes you could you know, turn the obstacle into the way, You know, for example. So there's different ways to handle it. So that was the... That was the first one that I wanted to drop on you guys. What are we at here? 22 minutes. I might have to save some of this for uh, the second book because um, there's really a lot to go through. Anyway, so that's the first half of it. Now, <laughs> this is where things got interesting, you know, because I was a four-man crew at that time. Me, my brother, and two employees. So... Shortly after that happened and I set up the software and I did all the work to make that happen, I had an internal issue, big one. So 50% of my staff now decided to take my contracts, my customer list. Um, they basically ripped off my uh, customers. They ripped off my contracts. It, it was exactly the same contract. It was hilarious because I got a hold of it and it was like, my logo and my legal work. And then they stole that. They basically changed the logo, but it was the exact same language. It was the exact same contract that they used. Anyway, so these so these uh, pleasant people decided to try to compete against me directly. Half my staff leaves, takes my shit, and then um, I have to deal with that part now. I think five or six years was the length of time that I knew one of the staff members. 20 years was the other one. Okay. So, I mean, you could call them friends. One, in fact, a good friend. Um, and that's what happens with money. That's what happens when people see money. And it's not just limited to, you know, human beings, friends. 
I've seen it happen with families. I've seen families fight over money like you would not believe. Fighting over a business, fighting over inheritance, like brutal shit, brutal shit. So this is stuff that's going to come your way as a guy, you know, as a guy. You're going to have to deal with stuff like this. You're going to have to be able to solve that problem. Can't solve that problem? You're going to lose, right? You either got to lose or you're going to learn. What are you going to do? It's your choice, right? My preference is to win. I like to win. So <clears throat> that lawsuit goes on, drained a ton of time and resources for me over that period of time. And what ended up happening after all that? Lost 50% of my staff, ended up paying 20, 30 grand in legal fees, got the thing settled up, and we blew up even bigger after that. We blew up even bigger because there was a few other solutions that came after that with staffing issues. So, you know, some some people have commented on my older videos, and I don't have this mounted on the desk anymore, but you can see up there on the wall behind me, just above do the work, that's a bronze torso. I have third-degree burns all over my upper chest, my arms. Um, I don't know much of my phone. It's over there. Um, you can go to Instagram, and there's photographs on the gram from last summer, you know, on the boat and stuff, so you can see them and stuff like that. But um, there's an old saying that if... You get scarred in life. And that's why I put that up there to remind me of that old saying. Scars are just proof that, that you're stronger than whatever tried to kill you. Okay. Life's gonna come at you guys. It's it's gonna scar you. I have I, I've I've got scars all over my body from dumb shit that I've done. You know, the third degree burns from were from when I was a toddler. I was um I was in England at the time. Uh, that's where I was born, and a kettle was boiling. One of my parents was making a tea pulled up my booster chair, I pulled it down on myself, scalded myself, third degree burns. I was in a hospital for several months. Uh, they did skin grafts. Um, you know, fortunately, I don't remember that because I was so young. Again, I was a toddler, so I was probably about two or so. But there you have it. I mean, scars are just proof that you're stronger than whatever tries to kill you. Uh, life will scar you. And the big difference between winners and losers is winners get back up again. Life will knock you down. Losers will stay down. And then they'll just bitch out and that'll be that. And, um, you know, they're gone like a fart in the wind. Um, most businesses fail nine out of 10 times. Uh, most startups fail within the first 24 months. And that guy that screwed me over for that, where I couldn't make payroll and um, I worked for free on tight margins, basically could have put me out of business. But I figured it out. And I actually, I wasn't just robust. I became anti-fragile as a result of that. Most businesses won't even last 20 years, let alone five or 10, right? So you see what I'm saying? Anyway, I've, I've got probably about four or five other stories during, <laughs> during the time I was running that business that are as big as, you know, this one plus, uh, plus one, it's really big. What I might do is I might um, share that with you guys in my follow-up book in one of the chapters, just, you know, just give you some mindset ideas. All right, so let's do this. We're at the halfway mark. Um, how's everything going in the chat there, Moff? You, you, you playing whack-a-mole with the trolls? How's that going for you? Uh, yeah, I can see you. Yeah, see? I'm looking at some of these messages that you've hidden, bro. Yeah, this, this, this is why I don't run live chat, dipshits. Okay. All right, so let's get... Um, 
let's get you guys in on the live chat and do some Q&A. Uh, I'm going to share the invite link. Uh, copy the clipboard. And it's only going to be on YouTube. So join in and ask a question live. What I'll do is I'll pin that up to the top so it stays up there. It's open to everybody, young, old, man, woman. Even Leah Thomas can call in if she wants, or he, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> uh, where do I pin? Where's the pin, pin, pin? There we go. Pin message. Done. Okay. So let's run the ad reel. Um, oh, by the way, actually, I'll get into it afterwards. I'll get into afterwards. We'll do some. We'll do some Q and A and stuff. I'll get into afterwards before we close. All right, I'm gonna pay some bills. Just uh, this is a quick three minute clip. Thanks. This episode is brought to you by the Unplugged Alpha Supplement Line, Grandike Soap Company, and Chad's Face Scrub. Brothers, if you're like me and you take what you put in your body seriously, you'll want to use the Unplugged Alpha Supplement Line. An obsession with absorption is what sets this line apart from the others. You want to make sure you absorb as much of the supplements as possible, so you don't end up peeing out expensive urine. My supplement line is made in the United States from the highest quality domestic ingredients and unlike cheap supplements from China and plastic bottles, mine ship in dark glass bottles to keep your supplements fresher, longer, and won't seep endocrine disrupting plastics in your supplements. Nothing is a hard tablet. Everything is an easily digested bioavailable capsule. You can filter all products by their various categories, including testosterone support, estrogen metabolism, fat burning, immune health, sleep support, and performance. Visit theunpluggedalpha.com forward slash shop and use the subscribe and save option to get 10% off your supplement orders or just use coupon code alpha10 for 10% off a one-time order to try it out. Men, I use Tactical Soap and God of War beard oil every day. Tactical Soap is a handmade product made in the United States from ingredients you can actually pronounce, not conventional endocrine-lowering toiletry chemicals. Both the soap and beard oils are infused with bioidentical pheromones that are designed by a clinical psychologist and pheromone expert to maximize attractiveness to the opposite sex. Visit coopersoap.com and get 10% off your order today. Gentlemen, my go-to face scrub to keep this manly face clean and clear is Chad's. Again, it's incredibly important to me to only use products with all natural ingredients without nasty chemicals that disrupt male hormone levels or convert to estrogen in your body. And unlike watery scrubs that slip between your fingers, this thick face scrub with black lava sand gives you powerful results in one go. Visit getchads.com and you'll be redirected to the Amazon store. You'll get 10% off when you use coupon code getchads10. You can find all the links I've just mentioned pinned below in the top YouTube comment. If you want to learn more about why I endorse these natural products to my audience, search on my YouTube channel for an episode I did with Dr. Anthony J titled Playing to Win Number 21, How Estrogenics Make You Fat, Sick, and Infertile with Dr. Anthony J. Let's get on with the show. How was the audio on your end? It was clipping on my screen. I don't know if you guys have that experience listening to it. Just let me know in the chat. I got to fix that then if that's the case. Oh, man. Yeah, okay. Something wrong with the audio. I probably need some more memory on this computer. <laughs> Good times. All right. I uh, got a few people piling in, waiting to ask questions. Again, if you want to ask a question live on the show, 
the join link is pinned to the top of um, YouTube. Um, oh, it says audio is good. Sounded good. Okay, maybe I'll have to check the playback, but on mine it was clipping for some reason. Bizarre. All right, um, we got a few guys in the private. Um, when you get in the private, guys, just let me know um, what it is you guys want to talk about. It'll just help me sort through what everybody's uh, question is. And uh, if you have a question, come in early because always at the end of the show, it's I got a dozen people in there waiting to come on and we're out of time. So come in early. Okay, guys. Uh, what do we got here? We got a guy by the name of Bearded Gent. That's that's quite the beard, my friend. What's uh, What's happening over there? Oh, nothing much. Just cooking up some dinner, getting a workout in after work. All right, what do you um, got? I guess my question is, is um, you know, I've time. I'm, I work in a like financial industry, and we hired on a bunch of people. So used to, I was working until eight p.m., nine p.m. every night. Didn't have a lot of time for like extracurricular activities. Um, mm -hmm. So now I'm thinking about starting side hustle. And, you know, I've been sinking some serious money into that. So I just kind of want to get your thought process on, you know, how much, like, how far down the rabbit hole do I need to go till I, like, get to the other side and start getting some revenue and churning that out? Like, when should I start to get positive and, you know, come back in on the other side? So in that way, I have two streams of What's the of side hustle? And, What's the business? Um, so I got a rental house. And so I'm either A thinking about just renting it out with passive income or mm -hmm. B going there and um, just like renting it out to my buddy and letting him just create some products and then resell that out on the, like out and about. Um, Cause use it as like a storehouse pretty much. So what he does is like takes clothes and then resells them on like different apps and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So I just don't know if it's a good idea to just go with the passive rental income or try to like, generate even more out, out of that okay i'm going to give you the brief answer to that but there's okay. a longer solution that's going to cost you a thousand bucks okay okay the brief answer is you got to do whatever's going to get you to the end result that you're looking to achieve gotcha. so whatever the clarity is that you know that you've created in your mind like i want to make twenty thousand dollars in passive income a month or i want to whatever like there's different things that come with those different projects. You already have the real estate, then you're talking about maybe potentially physical products. There's all kinds of problems that come out of physical products, right? Like there's shipping issues, right? Like I have a supplement line over my shoulder and if somebody you know places an order and they don't get it in the anticipated time that they're expecting when they check out, it says in the card, it's going by this courier service and it'll take, you're gonna get emails, you're gonna get people asking, you're gonna have to follow up on them. Stuff will get lost in the mail. It'll get broken. Some stuff will get shipped to the wrong address. Somebody might steal gotcha. it. There's all kinds of shit that comes up that you have to contemplate that most yeah. people don't look at, right? Now, the good news is all of that information I've got in a course. It's it's coming out in the next few weeks. So if you're on my email list, you'll get notified there first. I'll probably have an early bird special with a discount. Uh, where's the banner? So if you get on my email list, which is just at entrepreneursandcars.com forward slash red dash flags, I've got that and probably about 10 other modules that'll be included in that. It'll cover all the things you need to contemplate when you're shifting from a job, J-O-B, stands for just mm -hmm. over broke, to, to running your own business. Uh, gotcha. It's not going to be easy, but what I but basically what I've done is I've taken all of my experience. I've taken the experience of all the guys that I've worked with in the past in forums. And then I went even further and I went into all the top entrepreneurs and I looked for their best advice. 
I've distilled it all down in the course. Kind of like how, you know, my book, I distilled everything you need to know about women and win winning at life. Mm -hmm. Same sort of thing, but this is going to be for business, but it'll be in a course. There's also going to be a community element to it as well, which you guys can all participate in. And I'll hold monthly Zooms to answer questions and see how things are going for you. But uh, that's what I would do. I mean, if you're serious about a side hustle, get on that list. It's a very okay, good yeah. question, but um, it's also very timely too. Yeah, no doubt. I appreciate you putting together that course. Read the book, got the the supplements coming in. Cool. Uh, I really like the the estrogen killer one. I freaking take that every day and make sure to get that in my system. Yeah. So yeah. Awesome. No thanks, right. man. Th thanks, Rich. Appreciate it. All right, the bearded gent. I wonder if he's got like a, a physical product business with a beard. I should ask him. Um, got. Andy asking about issues with a problematic customer. Oh, I've dealt with problematic customers. <laughs> Had a few of them. All right, Andy, what do you got going on here with these problematic customers? Rich, how you doing, brother? What's up, man? Can you hear me okay? Yeah, yeah. Got a really big customer of mine. <clears throat> but my question is, they're a top five customer. I'm in the industrial and hydraulic hose fitting business, Cincinnati, Ohio. Mm-hmm. When, in your estimation, when, no matter how much they're doing with you, when is it you're not worth it? I mean, the demands on my time, 60 to 80 hours a week, but it's a $200,000 a year customer. Does mm -hmm. it ever get to a point where you say, there's other customers out there, you guys oh, yeah. got to go, oh, I yeah, can't yeah, take yeah, this yeah. anymore. One thing that you got to get good at is firing people in your life, and that includes customers. There's a chapter in my book, Hire Slow, Fire Fast. Absolutely. Same, same <laughs> I've thing read it and had it on Audible. Same thing applies with customers, man. You know, if you have a shitty customer and the juice is not worth the squeeze, um, it's totally fine to tell them to get lost. Um, you know, you can deliver that message whatever way you see fit, kinder or harsher, but um, why would you invite terrible customers into your business when you should be spoiled for choice. I mean, you should have more than just that option. You know, same thing applies with women, right? I mean, a lot of this stuff that I've talked about applies to many different facets of a man's life, right? So you got a customer that's not worth it, get it. Like, would you tolerate an abusive girlfriend? Generally speaking, most guys wouldn't, right? Right. You get, you know, you get rid of her, get lost, you know, take your shit, locks are changed on the front door tomorrow, get out of here, take your cat and go, right? Um, why would you tolerate a shitty customer? What if it's a very small business with a very large customer? It's then you have a problem. Then you have right. a problem because yeah. then that customer has you wrapped around their finger and they probably know it. Correct. So you need you need more customers or you need to modify the business model so that that so that that situation doesn't happen. There's got to be a way to do it. I mean, you can take a look around your industry to see what your uh, competitors are doing. You can take a look at a similar industry to see if they've applied a similar solution to what it is that um, you're doing. So, you know, to share a story, like the software that I talked about earlier when we did the pivot, I got from a company in Florida and um, it was tailor made to an American um program for debt relief that we had them customize for us for the Canadian marketplace. So I basically R and D rip off and duplicate, took it from them, applied it into my business with the modifications and then boom, you know, we just kind of ran with it. So, I mean, there's any number of things that you could possibly do to solve this, but again, you know, this is more or less just a mindset thing. Like 
how do you shift from, you know, dealing with one big fish in your tiny pond of a business that, that is basically feeding you to getting a whole bunch of fish, maybe slightly smaller fish or maybe bigger fish, you know, but getting a bunch more fish, you know, from a larger pond, you know, growing the business. That's what we've done before we made a decision to cut loose. We've gone out and garnered other business. So it's not so hurtful and you're exactly right. They know it and they think that they have you um, by the guts for lack of better terms. Like, well, Mm -hmm. he has to do it or else they'll go out of business. Right. And And, I don't want to live my life and my business like that. that. Yeah. And that's exactly the point. I mean, see a lot of people think that, you know, being an entrepreneur is sexy and glamorous, but there, but I mean, you can put yourself in a situation where you build a business that you hate because you tolerate nonsense. Um, there's a video that I did on my channel. I, I was driving up when I was going to do uh, some snowmobiling and I played a, a clip from Tony Robbins, who I'm not a big fan of, but he was absolutely right when he was talking about raising your standards. And if you raise your standards in life with the kind of customers that you want to deal with, if you're an entrepreneur, then you just make sure that you do everything possible to um, hit those standards, which means that you're going to have to change. You're going to have to change the way that you do things. You're going to have to change the way that you market. You're going to have to change the way that you maybe invoice or bill or run this structure that you're running right now. But that change will get you towards where you want to go if you're clear on where you want to go. Right. Yeah, I I don't want to be owned by a customer. What's the point? I mean, like the whole point, like, I mean, if being an entrepreneur is so sexy and fun, then make it sexy and fun. Like, don't be somebody's bitch. And you're exactly right. I've had so many people come up to me and look at my lifestyle, my cars, what, how I live. And they're like, oh, that must be great, Andy. You own yep. your own business. No, it's not. In yep. a tiny company like ours that does about a million a year in gross, they own you. You don't own that company. It owns you. That's Andy, I'm glad you mentioned that because that's one of the points in the modules that I've got in my in my course for this entrepreneur's mind, mindset is about 98 point something like 0.7% of businesses never do more than a million dollars a year in sales. So a lot of people will go and create a business. They'll call themselves an entrepreneur. They'll say that they're self-employed, but all they've really done is it is they've built a business that now employs them. And they essentially have the same uh, compensation structure as if they were working with a competitor that does the same thing, but now with more liability because now Somebody can sue your business and now you have to deal with that bullshit or they can pierce the corporate shield and go right for your property or do other things to you. So, you know, you want to make sure that if you're going to take on the risk of an of an entrepreneur and get in that sort of business, that you don't put yourself in an, put yourself in an environment where it's like I'm, I'm getting paid one hundred thousand dollars a year to do something I could go and work for somebody else at and check out the clock at five o'clock and go home and be with my family or do whatever. But now I'm 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 working all weekend in the evening. I'm not sleeping at night. I've got this legal issue that's going on. My my taxes are behind. There's all kinds of new problems that you you know build. So in closing on this conversation, Andy, there's two ways that you can run a business. There's a guy called Joe Polish. I've I've mentioned it before. There's a video on my channel. I talk about the difference between an elf business and a half business. Elf is easy, lucrative, and fun. It's an acronym. Half is hard, annoying, lame, and frustrating. And by the way, you can apply this to relationships with women too. Wouldn't you rather have an elf relationship with a woman than a half relationship with a woman? I do. Exactly. I don't deal with bullshit anywhere. And <laughs> in, in, in closing, this is exactly why um, when I was beta, I was working 60 to 80 hours a week to make this thing work. Mm-hmm. And the reason I got for cheating is you're never around 
I never get to see you. All you do is work, and I needed somebody to pay attention to me. Right. Oh, real, real sorry. I'm trying to support you and these two kids. Yeah. And the, but that just goes to show that it does not matter how much money you make, what kind of lifestyle you provide. If you are not fulfilling her emotional needs, she's gone. Yeah. Well, that's in the beaten. Sometimes down it's just some horse. shit women too, Andy. Right. <laughs> I know, and the but the there are like plow. you know to kind of like play play like more on the positive side because a lot of people you know complain a lot about women and shit. Like there are women there that will that will fucking have your back and stand by your side, but I mean you really have to spend some time betting them too, right? So it's like you know you got to see how they deal with all kinds of stuff. But yeah, it, like it can go either way, and you don't have any control of that. So again, back to the point: if you're going to take on the risk of running a business and being an entrepreneur, why not think bigger? And why not build something that is an easy, lucrative, and fun business, not hard, annoying, lame, and frustrating? You've got a half business right now. Pivot it into a more fun business that serves you. Got it. Thanks for everything, Rich. I really appreciate all you do for the community. Yeah, you're welcome, man. Thanks. Take care. See you, brother. Bye. All right. Um, and again, if you guys want to get in on the course, get on my email list. I'll have an early bird offer for the people on the email list. It'll be open probably for a few days. We're going to close it, get you guys the course material, and then there'll be monthly Zoom calls over a prescribed period of time where you'll get support and coaching um, for anything that you need with what it is that you're doing. Boy, oh boy. All right, we got a few other guys in the live chat. I uh, just want to make sure I haven't missed any. I see a lot of guys dropping all kinds of uh, questions in the chat. I can't, dudes, if you have a question, super chat it or come on and click the uh, live link, you know, um, either or. One way, um, you know, you're helping me create content. The other way, you're, you know, supporting the show. Um, all right, see what we got here in a private chat. <clears throat> Crow. Crow says, how do I find more red pill friends? Red pilling of friends. All right, Crow. You have a microphone. I see the line through your mic. It says you're mute. Make sure your mic's on. Uh, it is on. Okay, there we go. All right, what do you got for me, buddy? Uh, hey, uh, I'm on my uh, PC, so I don't have a camera, but thank you for your time. Um, I'm 18. I'm from Croatia, so uh, I wanted to ask. Uh, I have a lot of good male friends, but their attitude towards women and life in general is very like blue pilled mm -hmm. so i was just kind of wondering should i try to find somebody new to you know bang or chat with or should i try to convert my friends to the red pill no people people find people find the red pill and unplug from lies usually through chaos uh, they've had a heartbreak, uh, they get divorced, some girl cheats on them, you know, usually that's what brings them in. So whenever you start talking about this stuff before that, um, they don't want to hear it. They think you're crazy. They might call you misogynist, um, you know, something wrong with you. Why do you hate women who hurt you? You know, stuff like that. They're, yeah, they're generally speaking, really... not receptive. Ideally, what you should be doing is, I mean, if you want to surround yourself with better men, you live where in Croatia? yeah okay well if you live more locally or in um like 
you know, the UK, I've got a few guys in, in Germany that have left Germany now, but UK, Canada, the US, and I'd say join my community for sure, because there's lots of guys yeah. in there. Thank you. Um, I mean, a lot of guys here are really like feminist oriented, especially uh, I'm a senior in high school. And yeah, so, so Crow, so what you want to do is you want to get into masculine pursuits, like, because this is where you're going to find more red pill guys, because red, red pill guys naturally, and even though they might not see themselves, you know, as unplugged and red pilled, they might just be that way just because of who they are and what they do with their lives. You'll find them in um, anything that forces men to compete. So any kind of competitive sport, whether it's team sport or individual racing, volleyball, hockey, it doesn't matter. Like any kind of competitive sport, um, masculine pursuits that might deal with, I don't know, things like woodworking, um, uh, axe making, axe throwing, archery, um, marksmanship, stuff like that, right? Like these guys are, are you know, going to a dojo. Like, do you fight? Uh, well, uh, I trained uh, water polo for eight years. Yeah. And it was an amazing experience. And for the last so four years, I've been regularly hitting the gym. And uh, a lot of my friends are athletes, uh, like really good athletes. Some of mm -hmm. them play soccer. Some of them still play water polo. But uh, their mindset is kind of off in other aspects of life. So uh, I managed to turn so, on. So, Crow, if you're the smartest guy in the room, you're in the wrong room. Right. So if you're surrounded by by people that you don't like being around, that aren't uplifting you, that aren't helping you, you know, become a better version of yourself, holding you accountable, then move into another room. Right. So if water polo is not, not it, move on to the next thing. Right. Like you can't, you know, um, complain about, you know, how do I get these guys to see things my way or, you know, what do I do? It's like, OK, go to the next room. Right. So what's the next room for you? Like what else do you like to do that's a masculine pursuit that might uh, facilitate some introductions to guys like this? Yeah, uh, well, except working out in my free time, I like to chop wood. I also like to drive motorcycles a few times a week. I have yeah. a friend and we drive regularly. Good. So so find more guys like that, like find out where the local meetup is. So when I used to ride motorcycles, there was a, there was a restaurant, there was a coffee shop here in Toronto on uh, Shepherd and Morningside, I think, if I'm not mistaken. And it was a nice open patio. The parking lot would be filled with bikes, especially in the summertime, like the hot, like, like the hot summer nights. Filled, like you couldn't even walk through the parking lot. Go to places like that and network with guys over there. Get to know the owner. You know, get introduced to people. You know, what can you do to be useful? You just, you know, you just sort of chat them up and you get exposed to them. Yeah, um, yeah. This was a really great advice. Uh, cool. I've been starting to watch you for about six months, and yeah, you really helped me. Good. With your knowledge and the action, yeah, life's been Good. amazing. Awesome. So, so start executing on that. Thanks, man. See ya. All right. Um, Sean Ga. Hey, Rich, I'm trying to find an electrician to take me on as an apprentice. I finished my pre-apprentice in private college hands-on training in Toronto. Um, is Chris Amy in the chat? Not Amy. Um, or Mark? Uh, no, Amy is a welder. We have Mark. No, Mark's not in the chat. Um, there's lots of guys that need electricians right now. Trades guys are in demand. I have a few guys in my community. I, I don't know if you're, you know, like what your money situation is right now, but if you got the means to join the community, there's a lot of good guys in there. The 
Uh, let me pull the banner down over here. Banner, 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 banner. Where are you? I got to organize these banners a little bit better. Anyway, it's just entrepreneursandcars.com forward slash community. Um, and you get access to the entire network around the world that way. Anyway, um, we got here in the private chat. What questions you guys got? Ex-girlfriend has a bunch of green flags. John, John. Okay. Do you mean red flags or green flags? Yeah. Uh, hey, Rich. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Uh, she had a bunch of green flags, actually. Okay, so good things. Um, so. Yeah, I, I recently watched your video on the on the, all the green flags, and as you were going through them, you know, I was realized basically before I, I preface saying my ex girlfriend is kind of the reason why I'm here in the red pill uh, community. Um, but I was thinking, I was as I was going through them, I was like, well, she had that, she had that. For example, she didn't do, uh, she didn't partake in a lot of social media. Mm -hmm. um she wasn't a boss girl she had a, she had a great career mm -hmm. um and she basically you know she, she didn't she just basically had a lot of the green flags she had and that's pretty much why I'm, i feel like i'm still having this kind of one-itis because i keep mm -hmm. thinking about her and i guess my question really is just how do i basically kind of move on from somebody like that or I'll do that. I, i'm 31 this and, first girlfriend for you? Like, did you guys date? Uh, second, we dated for about a year. Um, and actually, the reason we broke up was because she moved to another state. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I just, I'm over here in California and I just, I didn't want to leave California. And that was basically the crux of it. Um, and so I guess I'm having an issue with if I do find, or I just don't really know if I'll ever find a girl with uh, so many of the green flags that she had, you know, because <laughs> we there's, talk about there's <laughs> 8 billion people on a planet. Half of them are women. It's arrogant to think that there's nobody that's going to be better than she is. Right? Okay. So yeah. just, just like take that thought out of your head right now, beat it with a stick until it's dead, dig a hole and bury it six feet under. Because, <laughs> okay. because that belief doesn't serve you. Okay. Right? Like, okay. Why would you subscribe to any notion that doesn't serve what's best for you. Right. No, that's true. That's like, true. Like having an unhealthy attachment to a girl that's not even in your life anymore and thinking, is there going to be anyone better than that? That belief guess, does not serve you. Kill it. Get I rid guess of it, it's done. I guess it just seems because, it, you know, I don't mean to harp on modern women these days, but I feel like it seems so hard to find many girls that have a lot of green flags these days. No, I know you did say, no, okay, like, you did say, I mean, the problem through is, all the, yeah, Go you're going to have to dig through a lot of dirt to find gold, right? Yeah, right, right. right. So, I mean, you know, you're going to date, you're going to have some fun, you're going to deal with some crazies, some some nightmare might throw a log through your front window, you know, one day because you don't want to talk to her anymore. You're going to deal with some shit, which is totally fine, right? Yeah. It's yeah. part of the process of digging in, in, into the earth looking for gold, right? You're going to find some fool's okay. gold. You know, you're going to get mm -hmm. tripped. A lot of them are going to have red flags, you know? So don't even sweat it. Like, what is it that you're worried about? You're 31. Like, do you think your eggs are drying up? You're not going to be have kids or something like that? Like, what are you worried about? No, not that. I've just, I've just, in hindsight, looking back, realizing that she had so many green flags. I just, it's the one-itis that I got that I can't get over. And it's well, hard for me. Like, damn, better options. Gonna... It's because right. you don't have other options or a better option. So if you had more options right. right now, you'd be like, you know, she was fun. But I mean, we're... You know, they say that, um, you know, in business that you want to work so hard that, um, you know, the people that hated you at the beginning ask you if you're hiring 
basically. So imagine that you get so good at being you, at game, at making money, you're captivating, you're not a boring guy, you know, you take care of yourself, all that shit, right? Yeah. And then she sees, you know, this new version of you with women around you. Because, I mean, you know, social media is good for that. You use it, Instagram, I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. So imagine, you know, she now wants to move back to California to be with you, thinking how stupid she was. And at that point in time, you might even have a better girl and you're going to say, you know what? Lost your chance, babe. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, too, I felt like I know that I was super blue pilled when I was with her because, you know, she would tell me things because she was vegetarian. She was like, you know, I'm never going to cook a, a, a meat pro, uh, a food with meat for you if we were to get married. And I'm like, oh, OK. Or, you know, she liked recycling a lot. So I started recycling a lot. And I was I was really basically in her frame. So you did all this shit to please her. Basically. That's why yes. she left. Yeah. That's yeah. Why she left. Yeah. Beatization through a thousand concessions. Absolutely. Read the book, right? I did. I did. I just yeah. finished. It was a great read. I'm going to leave a review too, by Thank the way. Thank you. Please. Yeah. Yes. And that's, so, that's, yeah, I, that's I just realized. through a thousand I was. You know, concessions. So in, so in hindsight, guys, you got to get used to saying no to women, right? Like, yeah. yeah. I remember my girl when I first met her, she was like mostly vegetarian. <laughs> and like one of the first things I did was I made steak, right? Yeah. I, I didn't do that. It was a bomb ass steak and she liked it. She's like, Oh yeah, give yeah. some more of this shit. Give me some more yeah. of this rich. Right. And so, I was just, Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever yeah. you say. Yeah. It's kind of how I was. Yeah. So, I mean, a woman's got to look up to you and she can't possibly look up to you. If you say yes to every one of her demands, John, I need you to start recycling. John, I need you to stop eating meat. John, I need you to be more inclusive and I don't know, carry come to the mountains like me a lot. Like that. Yeah. Whatever. Right. Yeah. Like, no, yeah. No. Like, you know, I'm on a grind. Like I'm doing something like she wants to see you doing something. Like what do you do for a living? I work as a behavior therapist right now, okay. um, but I'm actually an aspiring firefighter actually. So I'm, okay, well, you look more like a firefighter than a behavioral therapist. Okay. <laughs> you should yeah. definitely do that firefighter. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Right. Yes. I'm, I'm going for it. Balls to the wall. Um, I got all my credentials. I'm just applying now and hopefully getting hired on soon, but good, good. Uh, yeah. Yes. You, you know, because I'm chase on my purpose, like you said, chasing my purpose. Yeah, chase that's it. that is number yeah. one. That is Ch the thing chicks dig about. firefighters. Like on the dating yeah. market, you tell like women when you're on a dating app or it's in your prior, or even have a picture yourself there. You know, maybe the calendar picture with the, the leggings <laughs> and all that sort of shit. The overalls. Yeah, chicks dig firefighters, man. Milk it, milk yeah. it. Okay, because that'll give you an opportunity to get exposed to a lot of uh, women, attractive women, and there's going to be a lot of dirt in there, and there's going to be some gold. Right. So you just yes, you know, you spin the plates, let the cream rise to the top, wait for her to, you know, say, Hey, John, you know, where do we stand? I dig your vibe. You know, I want to, you know, like you've seen anybody else. Can we make this exclusive? Wait for her to do all those things. Like, like follow exactly what I laid out in the book. I know it works because I'm older than you and I've done a lot of dumb shit that doesn't work. And I also, also done the stuff that does work. And mm -hmm. I've also talked to so many guys now. Trust me. Yeah. Follow that. Okay. And I also asked her out. <laughs> so I'm telling you, I was super blue peeled. And it's it's embarrassing to say, but now well, I'm, I'm. Well, I mean, you definitely want to ask a woman out. You don't want to let her ask you out. Or yeah, yeah. Or I mean, ask her where we stand, basically. Like yeah, you never yeah. have the where do we stand talk, dude. Yeah, All, that's like basically. it always comes from her first. Yeah. Right. It was. And yeah. Okay. And then at that point, then you decide for you because men are the gatekeepers to relationships. Women are the gatekeepers to sex. Women decide when you're going to be intimate. Guys decide whether or not they're going to invite her to their lives and introduce them to their family. 
and if they're going to be monogamous or if they're not going to be monogamous like you can decide exactly how it is you want to structure your life because now you're in a bargaining position right when somebody yeah, comes at you and right. says hey i want what you got right like whenever i have a car for sale like when i sold the r8 last last fall put it up for sale 160,000 had some dipshits that lowballed me i'll give you 140 I'll give you 100 you know the one guy that 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 followed my instructions i said no price is firm cash same day right because yeah. i'm in the bargaining position i'm the one with the asset i'm the guy yeah. that gets to set the rules so make sure that you understand that you have value as a guy and when she comes at you with the where do we stand john you're like oh, okay cool that's awesome now i get to decide whether or not i want to invite her in my life and then from then on in now after that you just have to make sure you don't bitch out and go through betatization right now um, yeah i'll keep it my eyes have been open now so it's 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 enlightening it's in it's enlightening so all right man yeah i appreciate everything rich thank you for thanks. everything you do thanks man. have a good all right um do, 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 let's see here what we got in the chats in the chat loonies uh private chat here we go okay we got green flags uh, do, 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 do. guys the the uh join link the StreamYard link to join is pinned at the top on youtube um head on over and uh click that link if you want to call in um we've got over 800 people watching and 352 thumbs up on the like guys do me a solid get the likes up that's way too low just help me out with the algorithms that's that's all i'm asking you to do uh, moffs is a good callers tonight Moff's going to be doing a show. Uh, Moff, drop your link for stereo. I'll give you a little promotion while I'm waiting for the likes to get up before I take some more callers. Um, he's doing a show with Jaron on stereo, a little companion show after uh, this one tonight. Do call-ins. It's kind of like a podcast, so you can ask them some questions. They're, uh, they're solid experts when it comes to game and dating and online game and stuff like that. Um, how to get the girls. All right, that's that's beautiful. Thanks for getting the likes up, guys. I appreciate that. All right, we got uh, we got Jenna here asking a real estate question. Here, it looks like in a private chat. All right, Jenna, welcome back. Hey, how you doing? I'm good. How are you tonight? No complaints. Um, so the real estate market has been all over the place, and I've been wanting to get into it. Mm -hmm. Um, but there's a couple of things that uh, I'm not sure if you've owned multiple properties. I, I'm kind of new to this. Mm -hmm. Um the thing that I'm trying to figure out is it seems like overall, most of the laws that, that govern landlord tenant relationships are pretty much in the favor of the tenant. Correct. So that's one. So where do you go? Where do you live you in? What state or province? Uh, I'm actually in Ontario. Oh, you're fucked here. Yeah. Um, yeah. I wouldn't, um, uh, I just sold my real estate. Actually, I got rid of a, rental piece of property downtown in uh, Corktown, um, River City. I don't know if you know the area, but um, yeah. yeah, I'm I'm not a fan of holding residential real estate here, especially with the prices of real estate and the fact that the landlord tenancy acts are hostile towards landlords. Um, yeah. If you want to get real estate, I'd say get commercial because you're you're probably going to buy it at a more reasonable price because the COVID pandemic just, you know, pushed those prices down because a lot of businesses shut down. Um, mm -hmm. So as things start to ramp up, there's probably more upside there and the laws are a lot more favorable. So if you have a tenant that's not paying, you can get them the fuck out of your business, your building pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. And then my other question was, um, 
I'm also looking at private equity. Um, I've gotten a chance to, um, to to kind of interact and kind of rub shoulders with some people that I never in a million years thought that I would ever be able to interact with on a business level. It has nothing to do with like the phone thing or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and it, like, and I want to make sure that I can get a really good understanding of private equity and I can get a good enough understanding of what's happening in the future when it comes to not only real estate, but land development. And it seems like it's a very tight knit group of people who get that kind of information, that kind of access before, you know, before when you say, they, they, when you say private equity, what do you mean? Like, like mortgages, like private mortgages, like what are you talking about specifically? Um, so specifically, I'm talking about mortgages for um, mortgages. And then I also want to get into um, what's it called? The crypt. I want to get into crypto because what some of the banks or what I've heard is that some of the banks are going to now start investing in crypto and trying to formalize crypto, create their own versions of crypto that they're going to be using in the real estate market as well. Are you talking about they're central bank digital currency? Yeah. I, I That stuff goes right <laughs> over my head still trying to figure it out but it looks like that's the wave so yeah you're you're going to want to find somebody that's going to be willing to take them take you under their wing um mm. that's in that industry you might have to work for free um you might have to find uh some way in through a nonprofit. you might have to apprentice uh, but you're going to have to do some entry-level bit shit you know for a while your income might go down a little bit um but um, that's the, that's just kind of part of the game for me like yeah. i know a lot of people don't want to do any of the grunt work but that's how you build the relationship and that's how you learn right, right. so yeah fine with it yeah. but um but yeah and then my last thing was networking um so when it comes to um i i so i'm assuming that you have a group of friends who are probably multimillionaires or or people who are really really successful right and the conversations that happen in those groups are completely different than the conversations that the average person, the average layman is having. So I don't really know, how do you interact with people who are functioning at a completely different level than you? And you don't ask the silly retarded questions that kind of, you know, that kind of take you out of the conversation or make it so that you just seem so ridiculous and so uninformed that they don't even want to talk to you. Where do you, you start? Have, you have you have two ears and one mouth. Use them in that ratio, especially when you're in, especially when you're not the smartest person in the room. Just shut Absolutely. up and listen, and yeah. um, you know don't don't interrupt them when they're you know talking about something important, and just you know find an opportunity to see what you can do to serve them to help them out. Sometimes you might have to sit there and just say nothing for hours until you can you know grab them when they're leaving you know, or catch them when they're walking to their car and say, Hey, you know, you know, this is what I want to do. What can I do to be useful to you sort of thing? Um, yeah, you're just going to have to figure that part out by getting in front of the right people. It's, it's been a long time for me. Um, I haven't had to do that in a long time, but, um, yeah, like life is different when you see the thing that you got to realize about really successful people is they don't, they don't like being there alone, right? Like they want to send the elevator down to, to bring somebody else back up, but they're very selective about who it is that they want to help or who it is that they want to bring up. Right. Okay? So I mean, like you might have to uh, trade time. You might have to trade money. You might have to join an organization. You might have to pay to go to a trade conference that might cost you a few, you know, a few bucks more than what you're willing to spend. But all those things give you an opportunity to get into those environments. Mm -hmm. Okay. You know oh, wait, well that 
Yeah, those were my questions. So that's about it. But thank you so much. Okay, John. See ya. All right. Um, what we got here, Dave, David. All right, David, what do you got for me, buddy? David in the car. Hey, Rich, how are you? What's up, man? Hey, um, question about, you know, you, you're talking about losses. You know what, kill, kill your video feed because, you're, because your bandwidth sucks. Uh, just, just turn off your camera. Yeah, okay. Say again. David? No, I would say just turn off the camera. Just stop cam on the bottom of your screen. I did. No, it's still on my screen. I did. Because you're because you're very choppy with your audio. There you go. Try it again. Okay. Take it from the top. Go. Uh, all right. Uh, so I'm okay. That's not going to work. Sorry, man. Um, I'm running a live show, guys. So make sure when you call in, you got a good connection. Okay. Like if you've got a choppy connection, it's not going to work. Even even with the camera off, the shit didn't work. Um, all right. What do we got here? Uh, Jenna, John Crow. Uh, okay. Upper level. Upper level's got a question about problem solving. All right. What do you got for me, buddy? Yeah, hi, Rich. Mm -hmm. Can you hear me? Yeah, I got you loud and clear. Um, one of the questions is uh, when you're in that uh, situation where you've uh, had the loss and you're, you're just in rage or you're emotional at that time, um, what is the steps and thought processes uh, to get yourself out of it? And is it dealing with your emotions? Is it dealing with uh, solving the problem or is it uh, other other things? Yeah, um, it's a good question. I've I've done everything. I'll tell you what doesn't work. Um, doing anything that might put you in jail, you know, doing anything that might uh, create new legal problems for you, uh, crying like a little bitch, like dude. Like I remember when um, I had to launch that lawsuit, and fifty percent of my staff walked off, and it was like literally a few months after I dealt with the pivot and the guy that fucked me over for the 15 grand. Um, and I was like sitting there talking to my brother. I'm like, I can't believe this just happened, man. I just like, I just welled up and I just started tearing up. I was like, fuck, you know, I got to get this shit together. Um, there's a lot of things that you can do that aren't that useful, but at the end of the day, you just have to get your head down and just start grinding at it, man. Right. Like doing something productive, like get clear on what the goal is. There's a lot of people that are like, tell me how to do A, B, and C, D, E, F, G sort of thing to get me to Z. What I would rather do is I would say Z looks like this. Because if you want to develop problem solving skills, because one of the things that you mentioned in the chat, uh, chat you said, is problem solving the biggest skill you need to turn a loss into a win? I would say yes. Problem solving is the most important skill that you need to develop, I believe anyway, as an entrepreneur, because that's really what your job is. The guy leading the business is the one with the vision, with the problem solving skills, and the guy that basically, he's like the conductor in the orchestra. He's waving his hands around and shit's happening sort of thing, right? Problems will come your way. It's like, you know, what are you gonna do now that you've got the problem? Are you gonna be able to solve it? Have you developed that skill? So yes, it's absolutely the most important skill to have is a problem solving mind. Right, so we can talk about it now when we're, 
in logical, um, <clears throat> you know, mindset or calm mindset. But in the moment, you're in a rage, you know, you're all, not a rage, but, you know, you're, you're, you're real well angry. Mm. And uh, it's difficult to um, engage or execute those thought processes. Take a break, man. You just take a break, out. you know. Just uh, take a break. I used to um, I used to either go for a drive or I'd ride my motorcycle if I had my bike at the time. That's what I used to do to sort of like reset myself. Like I needed right. to do something like that. And um, that for me would allow me to recenter and then get back on the task of critical thinking. Right. Right. Okay. Okay. Great advice. Cheers. All right, man. Thanks. Appreciate it. Good. Some good questions tonight, guys. Really, really good questions. Really, really good questions. Um, all right, let's do a couple more here. In the private chat, guys, let me know what it is you want to talk about, please. Thank you. Uh, 21-year-old curious whether I should be focused on growing in my career or taking a risk and jumping in the entrepreneurial path. Emmanuel. All right, Emmanuel. What's up, buddy? Turn, off, turn on your mic. Hey, how's it going? Good. All right. So you're 21. And what are the two options? You're talking career or starting up a business? Yeah. So at the moment, you know, fortunate enough to be in an industry, I'm in enterprise sales right now. So doing well in that aspect. Mm -hmm. um, I think this is something I can definitely grow in just with regards to, you know, pushing for excellence. But, you know, long term, I see the real value in jumping in an entrepreneurial path. But mm -hmm. just curious whether, you know, stay on this course now and, and, and be patient or jump and take the risk. Uh, right now. Well, what do you want to do for business? Uh, always wanted to jump down the, the real estate aspect. Um, you know, that's something that I've always been interested in from property management, but mm -hmm. not sure whether I want to take the jump now or later. Well, you don't, you don't want to start a business on uncertainty. It, it, it's like, oh yeah, I see a need for this. I must do this. The timing is right. You know, you make it happen sort of thing. It's not a, eh, yeah, I'm not really feeling it. So I'm going to start to, nobody ever built a success. Like Elon Musk never created Tesla thinking, Hey, I'm not really too sure about it. Maybe I'll go work over there. Maybe I'll do this sort of thing. He's like, no, I'm building electric cars. Right. Right. Like you want to be successful at running a business. Like you have to want it because nine times out of 10, you're going to fail. And obstacles and problems that fall in your way will derail you more often than not. That's why most of the businesses fail. So, you know, kind of like women need to have a genuine burning desire for you. If you're going to invite them into your life, you kind of need to have a genuine burning desire for that business that you want to create because it's because it's going to take everything you got. Okay. So you're saying it's better to be, you know, growing in a career if you're uncertain of what that business would look like. And, you know, while you're growing in that career, take the time to do, you know, some of the discovery to figure out. That's point, not that's not what I'm saying. That's what you're saying. But what you're saying could be a path, right? right? Only the problem with that, as I see it, is that I probably did the same thing at 21 as well. And I mm -hmm. didn't start up my first business until I was 30. And I only started it up because uh, I took a package and they sent me home. And I, I had to make an income. I had to do something with my fucking life. And it was like, okay, either go and work for somebody else and deal with the same dumb shit that I've been putting up with already for the last nine years yeah. or take the plunge and start the business now sort of thing. So just make sure you don't cut, get like, 
if your long-term goal is to be an entrepreneur and you're studying greatness and you're reading the biographies of successful entrepreneurs and you're like, yes, this is something I want to do. Don't get caught up in the vortex of bullshit and corporate world until it drags you into like oblivion and you're 40 years old and you're like, Shoop. what was that? That was your life, mate. Some went right by you sort of thing because you weren't yeah. intentional about taking advantage of that opportunity. Having an entrepreneurial mindset is key to starting up a business. Again, you know, I said it earlier, I don't know if you caught it, but if you get on my email list over here, my course is going to be out in a few weeks. It's going to be on entrepreneur's mindset. There's going to be a private support in a private Facebook group for guys that want to get on Zoom calls and ask more questions. But all the course material there is, is going to deal, again, you know, exactly like how I wrote my book, right? I just took all the best information and put it in a 200-page book. I'm going to give you basically 10 modules of all the best shit that you need to know to get your mind around what being an entrepreneur is all about, right? All right. Cheers. Thank you. All right, buddy. Okay. And I got a, I don't know what this question is over here. It's this, uh, how can a 32 year old from Barbados? I don't know what that means. Uh, oh, you rewrote it. Okay. Hey, I'm 32. Best started business, third world country, move international. Okay. What's up? This is our Bayesian friend. How you doing, buddy? Hi, good night. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you, man. Where do you live? You right. live in Barbados? Yes, I'm from Barbados. Okay. Um, I got to thank you very much for your book. And they have by, bought our ordering um, rational meal just the other day. Good. That's good. Um, I'm married, but I'm separated. Due to your book, show me a lot of red flies. I wish I would know them before I married. Mm -hmm. And I went through a lot of better a lot of some red flies and arguments that are disrespectful that showed me a lot. But my more question is, my mind is on to my priorities, like start a business. I live in a small island. It's like due to the economy and the size of the island. To start here as a small or just go like England, mostly got family in England and Canada mm -hmm. to start that business. So it's like, You've got, an, you've got an interesting accent. It's like half British and half Bayesian. Yeah. <laughs> I got more sense to be in. I spend more times in England when they're okay. traveling. Yeah, yeah. Well, like we live in a world today where it doesn't really matter where you live right now because you because because the best businesses that you can build are location independent. Meaning mm -hmm. you can run it from Barbados, you can run it from England, you can run it from freaking iceberg down in the Antarctic doesn't matter. You can run it from anywhere as long as you have an internet connection. So those are the kinds of businesses that are, I mean, there's going to be more and more of them. There's going to be a lot more people uh, putting money into that economy because they're way more comfortable with it now than what they were 15 or 20 years ago. So you don't really need to move anywhere to start a business. It's like you need a good business is what you need. You need something that everybody wants to throw money at you for. So what problem is it that you want to solve? Do you know what the business is that you want to start? Uh, the business I want to start is the name of it is our register is elevation property maintenance. It really is dealing with mostly all tradesmen from elevated engineering, plumbing, electrical, on a one umbrella. So I realize a lot of people, um, big companies don't like to do maintenance on their business. Like the airport, I used to work at Grant. I used to work at the airport in Barbados. So move on to a different um, company and okay. me realizing. A lot of people is lack of maintenance of the 
the buildings. What sort of experience do you have in that, first of all? I have experience in plumbing for 12 years, and I have two certificates and a degree in architect drafting and property management. Okay, so I'm not sure that I'm clear on that. So how much experience do you have in that industry, working in that industry specifically? Um, I would say 13 years. Okay, all right. So it's, I mean, is it safe to say that you know it like the back of your hand? Yeah, with, with a oh. lot of experience. A lot of experience and and some men that I work with and explain they say you could go far with it. Okay. It's just that are there are there are there any opportunities in that industry that aren't being capitalized? And the reason why I'm asking that is rather than just going down the conventional route of just doing, I don't know, something like property management. Um like you know, for example, when I started up my debt business, there was almost nothing like it that existed in Canada on the scale oh. that I had built up to. And it was like, okay, well, there's a problem that creditors have and there's a problem that debtors have. Creditors want their money. Debtors, debtors need to pay their money, right? It's just that they don't have enough to satisfy what the creditors want. So in that space, it didn't exist, but I brought it in and I created systems and you know everything that was required, software and everything that would facilitate that transaction. So is there anything in property management that you could look at that might be an opportunity that you could serve the industry with to solve a problem, to bring two parties together, you know, to sort of meet and make something happen and then charge a fee to make all that go down. And even, even better than just doing it, you know, like once, can you do it on a regular basis where they pay you a monthly, you know, subscription for that work? Hey, that sounds like, I gotta look into that. That sounds like a great idea. Because it's not much companies in real life with property management is thus it's both two two of them that major and these deal with real estate and not residential mostly, but commercial I realize a lot of commercial buildings in government and and in this country, this third world country don't like to do a lot of maintenance. It's psych psych so you contract work for people to come and do the work like individually and not like get one big company say, all right, can you maintain this commercial building for X and more years? We'll see how you do. And then we will, if you ask from that time, your experience, your contracts, uh, we will renew it or we will, we will send you along. So a lot of- so, so what's stopping you from doing this right now? Um, I just move out for my wife and I just say, let me take a time to start from the beginning doing myself. And it was in the plan for about last year, mm -hmm. but after last year, move out, I start to, I need to find my way because I, I have been, how you, you were standing the other 31 bit of it. Obviously a thousand bit of it. Um, bit of for a thousand concessions. So, I mean, like the thing that you've got to deal, you know, got to contend with, because this isn't a location independent business. So now you're, so now you're moving from easy, lucrative fun more towards hard, annoying and frustrating because now you're linked to, um, bricks and mortar. So yeah. do you want to link to bricks and mortar on Barbados? Do you want to look to bricks and mortar in England? Like figure out what bricks and mortar you want to link yourself to and then be there. All right. Thanks. Sounds Thank good. you very much. Yeah. Everybody, right, thanks.
All right. Uh, hang on. So I want to make sure I get these supers before they go. Uh, Beyond Lens, will you be shipping your supplement line from a warehouse in Canada in the future? No. Um, the supplements are manufactured in the United States. Um, the supplements are also warehoused and shipped from Florida. So if you live close to Florida, your shipping's like almost immediately. If you're on the West Coast, it takes a little bit longer. If you're outside of the U.S., it takes even a little bit longer than that. Um, that's just the way that uh, supplement fulfillment works in that industry. There's not many that are made in Canada that I know of anyway. Um, most are manufactured either in um, well, the cheap shit ones are in Asia. Uh, the best ones are in the U.S. or Europe. But they do ship to pretty much everywhere around the world now. Um, you should be able to order United States, Canada, UK, New Zealand, Australia, pretty much every, like I know where you guys watch from. And what I did was I set up the, um, uh, Shopify store so that you can order from countries that watch my channel. Um, I didn't set it up so that it, it, it's optimized for SEO. It's, it's really just for my audience. And, uh, it's just a nice line that I use myself. So Yeah. You should be able to get it from anywhere um, that that you're watching from. There are some countries that I couldn't set up to order from just because their customs are a pain in the ass. So if you go and you put it in a cart and you try to check out and you can't uh, because it isn't shipped to that country, bl just blame your government. They have shit customs laws. Um, there's not much I can do about that. Um Rich after strong frame and high income are established. How important do you feel emotional depth plays a role in entrepreneurship leadership to connect with more people and help grow your business? How important do you feel emotional depth plays a role? Um, I don't know what you mean by emotional depth. <clears throat> so there's a saying um, that goes, your network is your net worth. I got to take these out because they keep falling out of my damn ears. They say that your network is your net worth. So you should be able to take anybody with a great network, that, you know, they have access to, let's say, strip them of their money, strip them of their, um, their car, their house, all their shit, whatever they have, and then just drop them anywhere in the world with their laptop, with their network on it, all the people that they know, like, and trust who also feel the same about them. Um, and they'll be able to tap into that and be successful anywhere in the world. Basically, um, net worth can come and go. You can, you can do stupid shit. Somebody could, you know, do stupid shit to you and it could go, um, or it could just come, you know, it could just keep coming. But the thing that you got to realize is that a network should persist even if your net worth goes. So that's why it's said that your network is your net worth. So focus on building that is essentially, you know, what the point of that, you know, boils down to. Um, I wasn't too sure what you meant by the, how do you feel the emotional depth plays? But that's, that's what I think about when you talk about subjects like that. All right. Mm -hmm. Let's see what we got here in the chat. Okay, we got... Um, Oh, hang on. Let me get the super chat from Hamid first. Uh, hey, Rich. Hamid from episode 100. I'm trying to think. Oh, I think this is the guy in Brazil, isn't it? 
Thank you for all you do. 15 of your books have gone to some men that need it. Five more before I restock. I moved from low six figures to low sevens, just working on accident. Appreciate all you do. All right, man. I'm going to have to go back to 100 and see what that was, but thanks for the super. Very kind of you. Yeah, and I said this the other day. Um, women and feminized men generally start with sentences like, I feel like. So once you guys realize this, and you start to hear it, you're going to hear it everywhere now. You're going to realize that women, you'll see this a lot of the times on like social media when there's these videos out and there's like the view or, or some, some panel of like three to five women and they're all talking. Women almost always start their statements with, I feel like. Weak feminized men also do the exact same thing. I feel like. Masculine men that are in control of their emotions and know what they're doing start sentences with, I think, instead of I feel. Because women feel with their emotions, men get done, get things done by thinking. We think things through. It's um it's not gonna, you know, it's not gonna make or break your world or anything like that, but you'll start to notice it. And you might even catch yourself um, you know, using certain language now. But you'll but you'll definitely hear it with other people. So just remember that. Um Got Jesse Ruff asking about crypto. All right, we'll make this the last one. Let's let's talk crypto. Let me throw these back in here. All right, Jesse, what's up? What's your what's your deal with the crypto? Hey, what's going on, Rich? Yeah, you know, um, I've been dipping my fingers in the crypto for a while now, and Good. I see a lot of potential in it. Um, you know, Charlie Miguel, the guys that come onto your stream, mm -hmm. um, the crypto gang. I've been uh, focusing on them quite a bit. Because my major area of focus right now is financial. I've gotten everything else, you know, relatively down pretty well when it comes to the red pill sense. So I guess my question is, what do you think of it? Do you think you can become a millionaire with crypto? Oh, fuck yeah, of course. <laughs> this is this is probably the easiest way to make money. I mean, if you've if you've got 50, 100 grand kicking around, you could easily 10, 20x that. I mean and yeah. Like the chances of you probably doubling or, or honestly, you don't even have to take courses. You don't have to look at the other 18,000 coins. If you legitimately just bought Bitcoin, Ethereum, and if you wanted to take, you know, 20% and go like, I don't know, Solana, Polkadot, maybe Ripple, maybe, I don't know, Cardano, whatever you fancy, maybe, you know, you take the other 20%. But if you put like a good chunk of, you know, liquid cash that you have and just Bitcoin and Ethereum, you'll probably tr double, triple your money over the next five years. Yep. And right. um, I guess this also kind of ties into the the topic of the day too, because I decided to go ahead and take their course mm -hmm. over there. And I'm sitting here making way more money than I did before, just sitting on my butt watching those numbers go up, mm -hmm. whether it's through yielding, whether it's through understanding when to buy, Yep. to sell that kind of thing so you know making a business out of something that you love to do and benefiting people doing something rare where they're going to gain from it as well is how you grow something yeah th something there's that I've there's still a lot of detractors and people that don't understand crypto which is awesome because um a lot of those people will be converted over time um 
it's still very, very early on, you know, the curve. There's not a lot of people that know, like, and trust cryptocurrencies. Um, most people are plugged into lies. You know, they think the government's got their back. They'll wake up, you know, they'll wake up eventually. And when they do, uh, they're going to be buying Satoshis instead of Bitcoins because they won't be able to afford Bitcoins, but they'll still be able to participate in the economy. Yep, exactly. That's why you got to stock up now. Bingo. <laughs> All right, buddy. All thanks. right, Rich. Yeah. All right. So, um, with that being said, I guess we should probably start wrapping up. Um, if you guys actually, I mentioned it towards the start of the show. Um, if you guys live in Canada and have $15,000 or more in credit card debt and what you're doing isn't working, it's not paying down the balance. Um, just going to throw this back up here to give, uh, you know, the, the, the source of everything that, you know, began for me back in 2003, a shout out, go to totaldebtfreedom.ca and, uh, just fill out the form. You go to the, get a free quote thing over here. And one of my guys in the office will take real good care of you. Uh, but you want about $15,000 worth of credit card debt and what you're doing isn't working. So what that means basically is Whatever it is you're doing to try to pay that off, you're not seeing it put a dent in it. It's it's not moving it. Nothing's happened over three, six, nine months. You're spinning your wheels. Take a look. They'll be able to put a, a quote together. And even if it's the uh, um, wrong fit, they'll send you off in a different direction to somebody else that can help you with a better solution. So check that out. And again, um, Moff's on with uh, Jaron after this. They're doing call-ins on Stereo. Just, uh, just go to stereo.com forward slash Moff. I'll put it up on the screen here. There's a couple of boys from my community. And um, if you're not on my email list, get on it. Again, it's entrepreneursandcars.com forward slash red dash flags. You will get access to the 20 red flag chapter for free, which is probably the most important chapter in the book. I'm giving it away for free because you guys need to pay attention to these red flags and how to spot them and why they're important to spot. Um, yeah. And there's a course coming out in a few weeks, which will uh, help you with mindset around entrepreneurship. So um, if you're on the email list, you'll get the early bird discount on that. Thanks for watching. And um, the sponsored links will be pinned below. And if you guys like listening to stuff like this instead of watching, um, the Unplugged Alpha and Playing to Win is available in podcast form on all platforms now. So you'll be able to enjoy those. They're usually uploaded within a few days after um, the show. Um, finish this broadcast. Thanks for checking it out.